Hi everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of the Grassroots Podcast, where we dive into the root of the trends, business strategies, products, and personalities in the green industry. I'm Ryan Wisner, editor of Green Industry Pros, and today we're talking about lifescaping. According to Monique Allen, author of Stop Landscaping, Start Lifescaping, a guide to ending the rush-rush, humdrum approach to landscape development and care, lifescaping is about elevating the whole industry so there is more success. According to her, landscapes need to be organized, healthy, and have wow factor, and businesses need the same thing. In this episode of the Grassroots Podcast, I talk with Alan about some of the steps small businesses can take to have a win for the planet, people, and profits. Here's what she had to say. Well, thanks, Monique, for joining us today on the, uh, the Grassroots Podcast. Uh, so you are the founder and creative director for the Garden Continuum. <laughs> That's me. Yep. Yep. And also author of, and as we were just discussing uh, before we got started here, it's kind of a mouthful, but it's Stop Landscaping, Start Lifescaping, A Guide to Ending the Rush Rush Humdrum Approach to Landscape Development and Care. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a mouthful and, um, and a little tongue in cheek, you know, because clearly I'm, I'm stating stop landscaping and here I am day in and day out landscaping, right? So it's really about a mindset shift and um, giving an invitation to landscape professionals and homeowners, consumers of landscape services to look at it through a new lens so that we're not rushing through it. We're not thinking of it as static or like on the same lines of like building a house or building a kitchen. Um, it's a life form. So with anything that's a life form, we got to slow down a little bit. And so I draw a map in this book about how to slow down and how to make that really effective. And then I pair that with lifescaping your business, which is something I do with landscape business owners to help them make that slower pro process actually more profitable. So it's, it's a really nice cycle, um, but I do understand the, the irony of the title. Uh, that was part of the plan. <laughs> well, and, it's, and, and I appreciate you uh, clarifying that because you d I, one of my uh, first questions I was going to ask you is, why do people need to stop landscaping? You know, <laughs> since that's right in the title. <laughs> Uh, right. Especially in that, I mean, you yourself are a landscaper and certainly my audience, uh, the, the listening audience here are, are landscapers and they're like, okay, we're ready to hit the pause button. Why is she telling us to stop landscaping? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, you want to, uh, with titles, you really, you want people to double take, right? You want, want people to go, what, wait, wait, what? <laughs> um, so, so that's part of it. But, you know, whenever you commoditize anything, whenever you turn something into a massive industry and um, and and you begin to churn that wheel of commoditization like pushing a product um, some of the some of the the beauty and the intimacy of what landscaping really is gets a bit lost and so my message is that if we approach using a systems mindset over a product mindset we actually build in not only resilience, but you build in um, that buy-in that you want from your clientele. So if, if, if I'm just showing up and doing a thing and throwing a product down and leaving, and that's kind of what the whole industry is doing, then I'm disposable to my client. Mm -hmm. But if I'm looking at their particular landscape 
as a system connected to their humanity, their human system, then basically what happens is I become indispensable. And what we're really, what I want to do, I consider myself a positive disruptor to like the conventional landscape industry practices. I want to just shake it up a little bit so that people start to think of themselves, the professionals start to think of themselves as indispensable to their clients. And then their marketing will change, their pitches will change, their services will change, and their clients will start to see them as indispensable. And indispensable service providers can charge more. It's about elevating the whole industry so that there is more success. There's more kind of like that win-win between the service provider and the client. And then when that happens and you're using systems thinking, now you can also have a win for the environment. And we move into triple bottom line operations where planet, people, and profits are cohabitating in this really beautiful cycle. Absolutely. So where, how, how did you come, I mean, let, let's back up a little. What's your background within the landscape industry? And, and then we'll get to my next, next part of my question then. Okay, awesome. So, you know, very humble beginnings. I was, uh, you know, the short version of the story, the long version is in the book. Um, I was 18 years old, entirely lost. I'm a, you know, childhood trauma survivor. I broken home, a um, lot of, you know, kind of like negative stuff. So at 18, I had, I was clueless. I just did not know what was going to happen for me. I was randomly just invited to come and work on a landscape job from a guy I knew at, at a community college I was going to. And long story short, I got out there. I, 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 I started working and the sun, the soil, the smell of mulch, the physical activity. I was a dancer growing up and then moved into bodybuilding. So like, I loved the physical activity of it. Um, I was hooked. I was hooked on that very first day and I got really hungry and I started to just kind of combination of pulling on threads and clawing my way in. Um, I just, I sort of dove in headlong and um, decided that this was what I wanted to do. And of course there were a lot of spins in, in the story. Um, but by the time I was at Northeastern university studying entrepreneurship, I was doing my co-ops as landscaping. And then my final project in college, I had to write a business plan and I wrote a business plan for a landscape business. So it just, everything in my world started to become landscape and I'm 36 years in, I'll be 55 this year. And, um, and I've had a really, really great run. And if I look at my, the way my career unfolded, you know, I was bumbling around in the first 10 years, I was partying as much as I was working. I was you know, living large and just enjoying being 20 in my 20s. Um, the next decade, I, I really was more about um, kind of building the business and kind of figuring that out. And then I got married, then I had kids. And then that next decade, I was really just letting the business run, but focusing on my kids. And then I just made this huge shift where I was like, I learned so much from starting out in total conventional care to moving into what we do now, which is regenerative landscaping with a huge conservation bend. 
um, doing a lot of planet support and climate change work. Um, and I realized that I was evolving so much and all I had was the ability to touch the people that I could work for or hire. Like it's, you know, I'm, I, I, I wasn't thinking I'd become like this global company or something. I just, I, but I wanted to see if I could get the message out more. And so about seven years ago, I had, I got this idea in my head to write a book and, oh my goodness, I had no idea what I was in for. Um, <laughs> and it took me like five years to get this written and published. It was really hard because I thought I would just write it all down. But ultimately what ended up happening was I had to go back into my story and kind of codify my own evolution mm -hmm. so that I could create a method that was, um, kind of suggesting like where I am now, but I couldn't just write this like prescription. That would have been like, people would have just thrown it over their shoulder. I wanted sure. people to understand like the evolution to getting there, um, to make it a little bit more powerful. And, and so, yeah, so that's, that's my story. It's, you know, it's, it spans, you know, three and a half decades. So <laughs> That was a really oh, short person. <laughs> no, that's okay. Cause that's, that, that helped already answer my, my follow-up question was just kind of like, where did the general concept of, of lifescaping evolve from? And it sounds like that just was a natural evolution of as you were building your business and, and operating your business that, that just, and then subsequently writing the book is that's kind of where that all came from. Yeah. And, you know, interestingly, like I'm a, I'm a very high energy, curious person. I um, like I totally struggled in school until I landed into entrepreneurship in Northeastern. And then I realized how much I loved learning. But up until then, like it was all I could do not to flunk out of high school. Like it was just so hard to to grasp anything because everything felt stupid. Like it just, you know, I mean, you know, but then when I hit landscape, um, all of a sudden, everything seemed purposeful, everything felt good. And, um, you know, I know, specifically with people who have any trauma in their life that like being out in nature is really, it's grounding and helpful. And so I was both being helped by being out in nature and working physically. But I was also my brain, like I was so curious. And, you know, some negative uh, experiences were as vital um, to my growth as the positive one. So it's not like this happy-go-lucky story um, straight through. I mean, I had some like really scary events and troubling events happen through. And those were some of the events that led me to um, wanting to think differently about the landscape. And like one story that maybe some of the listeners can, can identify with was um, I I was asked to get, I was asked to like, quote unquote, get rid of weeds in this big, huge area. And the recommendation I got was to use a, um, a backpack sprayer and a chemical that I could spray along the whole area. And so I'm spraying this chemical. It came out orange. I can't even remember the name of it. And by the, it was hu a huge area. And by the time I got around to the end, I was crying. Like, I, 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 like it felt so wrong. Like I couldn't, I didn't have any of the language to say that I didn't want to do it. 
but everything in my body told me what I was doing was wrong. And I, I had no language for that. And shortly thereafter, um, I had a situation where I was on a property, we were working, we were having a great day. And by the end of the day, one of my workers had the bottom of her leg from above her knee down to her ankle was all inflamed and red and we couldn't figure out what it was. And in working on the gardens, cause we were gardeners more than just like the straight landscaper, we were working in perennial gardens. You, you know, we were kneeling on the grass, you know, going around. And what had happened was we found out after that um, we came in the afternoon and that morning a lawn chemical company came and had sprayed the lawn and she was favoring her right leg the way she was kneeling. So the side of her leg was on the lawn and she just for hours kept moving along. I had pants on and um, it burned her leg. It burned her flesh. It was gross. And, and it was, it was things like that, that like, freaked me out enough to get me curious enough to ask a question it and and then that pulled me through and and experiences like that were the kind of experiences that helped me to think about is there another way like is there another way outside of conventional care because I know lots of landscapers and nobody's out there trying to hurt the planet or hurt people or hurt pets nobody's trying to do that they're all working amazingly hard doing awesome work but the industry is not helping us in a greater way think about alternatives. And so that's just one example of what got me asking the questions that got me to stop landscaping, start lifescaping, because we don't want static feature scapes and we don't want dead scapes. We want lifescapes. And we want to do that through beautiful regenerative practices that allow us to build a relationship with the planet, but also allow us to build a really cool relationship with our clients. So what, without wanting to certainly walk through the entire book or anything like that, but um, what would be the first step for a, for a business owner that's, that's wanting to go down this path and, and, and take a different approach to, you know, they're, they, they see your book and they're going, yeah, I, this, this, this catches me, this, this means something to me, but I'm not sure how to go about doing this. What's, what's uh, other than, than going to your website and buying the book, what's, <laughs> what's their, what's their first step? <laughs> well, there, I, I can, yeah. So, that, so actually that's a great question. Thank you for asking it. I think there are, there are two sides. So we're talking to landscape professionals. And so the okay. two sides, so for a homeowner, there's really just one side and that is diving into having a lifescape on your landscape, right? But for for professionals, it's it's a little bit more complex because we need to learn how to lifescape, but we also wanna make sure that our business model can support that because we wanna move to triple bottom line, we wanna move to being indispensable and we wanna move to to charging more. So the first thing really is to move from product thinking to to systems thinking. And um, that is, really it's a fundamental mindset shift. It just says that like, when I have an issue in the landscape, can we tease apart what could be creating the issue before we put a product on it? So simply put, if the lawn is kind of yellowing, immediately we think fertilize it, right? Because we think feed it to get a green. Mm -hmm. Um, But you may have bound up nitrogen, you may have compaction, you may have, there's all these things that could be going on. 
And so if we can just take a step back and peel the onion a little bit, doesn't mean we're not going to use products, you know, very possibly still going to use products. It's just taking that shift to system over product. So I got a headache. Do I just pop an Advil? Well, you might, but you might also say, gosh, did I drink any water today? Wow. Did I drink any water yesterday? And what you find is that actually you have a headache because you're dehydrated. And if you would hydrate, you would actually not need the Advil, which isn't to say you might not want Advil to get over that pain, but then you would hydrate so that you don't need more after that. It's that simple. It's really that simple. And the book walks you through systems thinking, and then it walks you through getting started, digging in and taking care. So it's built not as a prescriptive, this is how you do it. It's more built, this is why you do it. Now go forth. (laughs) And for business owners, I then also do what's called, you know, liberation coaching. I actually coach business owners to help them move into this model, not only in the landscape with their clients, but also in their businesses and with their employees. So it's, it really is a 360, um, but the start is that simple. What's, if, if the start of it is that simple, what, as a, as that coach at, at that coach level, then what do you find is the biggest challenge for those landscape professionals that are trying to make this shift? Um, I think it's like changing any habit, right? So whenever we change a habit, it's a whole lot easier to do it with support than it is to do it all by yourself. And <clears throat> I worked with business coaches to help me with, you know, all my cockamamie business plans, right? You know, like I, had these, I had these ideas, you know, I wanted to move to regenerative landscape. I wanted to not work Saturdays or Sundays. I wanted to um, start to build a compassionate culture to support my employees. There were so many things that I wanted to do, but I had no models. And so I think sometimes whenever we're trying to change any habit at all, it can be really helpful to do that in conjunction with other people. So that when you run up against something, because you're going to run up against resistance. So one of the big resistances that um, any landscaper will run up against, besides price, because that's just a resistance in any industry, is Mm -hmm. um, timing. Is that landscapers know that certain things take certain amounts of time, but the homeowners will push to rush you. Get it done, get it done, get it done, get it done. I got a party, I got a this, I got a that, I got a that. And it's very hard for anyone, not just landscapers, anyone in business to say no to a client, to a customer. And so we end up in this trap where we're saying yes to things. We're doing what's called the dirty yes, which is you're saying yes, while you're shaking your head no. And then we end up in this place where now we've got to ghost the client because we have no answer. Mm -hmm. And this is a pervasive problem in the landscape industry. Um, I suffer from it as much as anyone. And so it requires this constant leaning in to, to remember that in order to be indispensable, you actually have to work in truth. You have to work in what is true and right. And what is true and right for you might be different for the other landscaper down the street. He may really be able to get that job started in a week. But mm-hmm. if you can't, you're much better off saying, look, at, I want this job. I know I can do this job. I can start three Mondays from today. That's, that's more honorable than to, 
to, to not, right? And so that's where the bridge between the idea of Lifescape and all that it entails, because remember that long mouthy title, you know, a guide to ending the rush, rush, humdrum landscape development and care. The rush, rush piece is often pushed by the client or the consumer and landscapers right. feel unwittingly forced. So it's, it, it, it's definitely significant to, to, as part of the whole concept of lifescaping, to really establish that relationship with the client then. So, I mean, so that's, so when you are, when you do have to say, yeah, I can, I, I won't be able to start that until a month from now, the relationship is there where they're like, okay, instead of, no, I need it done yesterday. <laughs> yes. Right. Right. And it's more work because you know, it's a whole lot easier. And I remember the days when I did this, it was like, I would hide behind email, hide in my truck. I didn't want to talk to people. I just wanted to leave me alone. I just want to do my job. You know, um, And, 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 and that, especially when I had little kids, because I was exhausted all the time, <laughs> um, you know, and then, and then the clients would come out and they felt like just another kid, you know? So, um, so I hid and I, I realized here, here, here's where it slapped me in the face. I got to a point where I was doing really well and I was able to hide from my clients. And so I was just working really hard and I was just delivering. I mean, it's absolutely delivering. And so the hiding, I got away with it, but then the great recession happened. And what I noticed was the people that I was in the best relationships with, were the people who did everything in their power to keep me on. The people who I had more distant relationships with and did not have a good track record of follow-up, they dropped me like that because it was easy because they, they weren't dropping me. They were dropping the invoice. The other sure. people, if they, if they needed to, to shift with the invoice, we had a conversation. We figured out how to dial it back a little bit until they got on their feet because they didn't want me to fall over. They believed in my business. So that's that meaty thing that, that landscape business owners have to understand is that becoming indispensable is about developing a relationship where you see the client for where they are and their property and you are the person delivering for them. Absolutely. And that's, and I mean, and that's, and that's a difficult prospect for a lot of landscapers just because, I mean, it's, it's like, like you said, it's, it's easy to hide behind the email and, and, and uh, just be like, no, I mean, I've, uh, I recently dealt with it. It wasn't a landscape contractor. It was a concrete guy, but had, a, had a similar thing where I, I had something scheduled and I was busy emailing him going like, Hey, you, wh when are you coming? You know, we'd like to get this mm -hmm. done. And it was just like silence, silence, nothing, you know? And then, and then next thing I know, when the weather gets nice enough and it's, I mean, it wasn't their fault. They had other jobs they were working on, you know, and that, and after thinking about it, I'm like, okay, yeah, that makes more sense to me. And now I, I, I it took me time to catch up and get it. But now in just talking to you, it's like, that's, that's made it even more clear for me to go, okay, yeah, that's kind of what he was doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there I, are ways I, I was being pushy. I was the client being pushy. So and it and you're being pushy because you you need something, you have that pain point, you need something, and he said he would deliver it for you. And I think one of exactly. the the things that I always thought I always thought I had to have like this long conversation. 
what I learned is you actually don't have to have a long conversation. You can shoot out an email. It says, look at this is the situation. This is what we're up against. You're very important to me. You are on the list, but I need you to just understand that everything is pushed back X number. You can send that as a blanket email to lots of different people. Apologize for the blanket email, but tell them you need them to understand the state of things. Mm. Um, I, I just learned from another podcaster. Uh, he just put out a podcast that was like, don't hide the bad news. Like, just give it. Just give the bad news politely, respectfully, honorably, and then keep going because bad news has a way of going bad when like really bad <laughs> when you when you don't talk about it. Sure. Oh, absolutely. No, for sure. That's 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 certainly true. I mean, it's if you just sit behind it, then it's just it's only going to get worse for you, for you and your client. Right. Totally. Totally. Okay. Well, um, one thing I did want to touch on just because I came across it while I was doing uh, doing some background on on you. Um, my understanding is because uh, and I, I believe it does kind of tie into the whole lifescaping thing, too. So I, I hope that this ties in is I, I saw that uh, you and your crews were involved in uh, several years back in an extreme home makeover. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, with a, we were with a mini Fenway Park, if I understand <laughs> it correctly. Yes, that was super cool. So uh, if you know that show, um, uh, Extreme Home Makeover, they uh, they ended up uh, working with a family just like literally like around the corner from us. It was their first New England, you know, or North, like I, I guess they had done all like more warm climate places that didn't have basements. So it was like the first basement, the first wooded lot and the first lot with ledge. Yeah. And um, also in other parts of the country, there's a lot of like really massive builders. And in our area in New England, you know, we have lots of little companies. And sure. so basically what they did was they had, I believe it was two or three builders that got together with an architect that did the, ha the house. And then I was the lead landscaper and it, in order to get the landscape done, I had to wrangle 13 landscape companies. Um, and we did everything from clear the lot, blast ledge, do the foundation. Like it was incredible. It, it, it spanned, it was in 2005. It spanned um, one full week. We worked round the clock. My hus <clears throat> husband and I worked in shifts. So uh, at that time he was working for me um, and he, he would work the night shift and I would work the day shift. And my mother kind of like moved in and took care of the kids and would, would bring them, you know, to like the ropes where you could. And it was, it was incredible. It was, it was absolutely incredible. Um, I love that we were able to do it. We were so exhausted afterwards. Um, I think one of the things that was like a huge eye opener to me and continues to be an eye opener for me when I do public projects is that most people never think about maintenance and when once the bus is moved, those people are left alone with all of that. So right. me and two other landscapers, our companies donated services for the next five years um, because they had no ability to to really care for it. Um, and their son is doing great. And um, but they had to take care of him. So. So yeah, so so it was is very it was very cool. That's like a once in a lifetime. Once was enough. 
I just had to bring that up because I came it came across as I was uh, like I said as I was doing some research on you and it, and uh, it just kind of stood out as an interesting story, uh, particularly when you talked about how uh, how you and and that uh, another landscaper kind of stepped up and and uh, took on some of the uh, some of the maintenance for a few years there just to make it work and that's and um, and that's partially where I saw kind of the tie in with that with the whole concept of lifescaping in terms of, of that's just that sometimes you, uh, those are the types of things you do to make, you know, that's that, that's that connection. That family is going to know your name forever, you know, I mean, (laughs) and your company's name forever, you know, not just, yeah, yeah, we were on extreme home makeover, but yeah, but, but the, uh, you know, how, what was the builder still involved years later? maybe maybe not but was the landscaper yeah we still knew the landscaper five years out yeah yeah and I think that the mindset there which uh, also like you said ties into to lifescaping for the actual work but also lifescaping when you are lifescaping right if if you're building a lifestyle business um is that it's a long game you know we don't wake up one day decide to be in business and we're done right it's a long game and all of it's a long game and I think when you look at it that way you realize that, um, yeah, it's, it's a lot of work, but at least it's not blindsiding you, you know, um, and you can take it on a little bit more incrementally. So, um, I I think our industry's in a struggle right now. And so I think this mindset's going to help a lot of people like chin up and, and, and know that they're going to get through the, the weirdness of our economic climate right now and the health climate, like, you just, if it's a long game, then you know that it's just a few steps in the process and you don't feel so crushed by, you know, like not finding help or, you know, all the stuff that all of us are dealing with. Absolutely. For sure. So, um, a lot, a large portion of my audience tends to be the, uh, uh, the smaller, uh, landscape business. So, uh, a lot of them have nine or less employees. So, I mean, most of them are owner operator types. So when, with a, a company that size, um, is the whole, it, I mean, is the, is your concept of lifescaping really just, I mean, that's just broad based enough where it can fit into a company that size versus a company that's 20 plus employees. Yeah, it, it, it totally can because the, if, you, if you drill down to the, to the most basic concept, it's that we're choosing life. That's it. We're, just, we're choosing to live in a way that is helping us be um, kind of healthy and vital in what we do. So the concept of lifescaping is really simple. Landscapes need to be organized. They need to be healthy. And they need to have wow factor, right? That's just, that's it. It's super simple. And it runs on that concept. With businesses, they need the same thing. They need a modicum of organization in order to be able to deal with the day-to-day. Whether you have three employees or 30 employees, you need organization. And the more employees you get, the more organization you need. The more clients you get, the more organization you need. So if you can ground floor your organizational structure at the early onset of business development, oh my gosh, you will grow so much faster than I did. 
because I was just like all over the map. I was just, you know, hey, you know, calling my brother, my brother's friends and my friends and whoever wanted to work for me on whatever day. And it just, you know, so that's the first. And then the second is health, right? We need to, we need to work in health as businesses. So if you're working your tail off all day long and then you come home and you shove food in your mouth and then you go back into your basement office and then you work until 11 o'clock at night and then you go to bed and then you drag yourself out of bed first thing in the morning, down two cups of coffee, go back out there, skip lunch. Like, hello, I'm not describing something that I'm not familiar with. So, but that only lasts so long and it is so much of the story of the small landscape company. It was so much my story. And what happened for me was I had to make a huge leap after the Great Recession because my company shrunk almost 50% of what it was. I mean, it was like a crash, right? And I had to ask myself, am I going to now stay small or am I going to see if I can grow back up and go back into multi-seven figures? Well, I I didn't exactly know how to do it. So I I basically, I hired a coach. It cost me $30,000. I had to get my mother to help me because I didn't have that money. And I put myself in the fire. I can't tell you how many times I cried with that coach just to learn what I did not know. Entrepreneurship school, growing up in a self-employed family, all the things I thought I knew. And it was the best money I ever spent. And I paid my mom. I Eventually, I paid my mom back. Like, so I, I think that the biggest decision to move into the LifeScape method on the landscape side mm-hmm. is because you are called to work that way. You, you would have to be called to work that way. You could never force that on yourself or anybody else. The reason to move into LifeScape method on the business side is for your own survival. And so you succeed because if you're succeeding now, at three or four or five employees. If your aim is to get to 10, what you're doing today and what you did to get here will not get you there. You actually have to shift. And um, so I developed the Landscapers Freedom Formula course to help people do that. And it is accessible to anybody. It's three books, 20 bucks each. They're super short and you can buy it in a bundle for even less. And it is a really great way to look at your mindset, your services, and your sales, because those are the three critical things that you have to think about no matter what size your business is. And yeah, I just think that would, that's just like a super cool way for people to sort of get an introduction without spending $30,000. $30,000 distilled down to under 60. <laughs> that, that's, a, that's a good deal then. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, um, again, uh, Monique, uh, thank you so much for being on the show today. This has been, this has been, uh, excellent. I really appreciate you coming on. Um, you, you mentioned, uh, we, we've certainly mentioned your book and now you've mentioned some of the stuff about the life coaching as well. So where can people get some of that information where, and connect with you about those things? So the best way is just to pop on my website. It's www thegardencontinuum.com. Hopefully you'll put that in your show notes because continuum is one of those words. Oh my gosh. But thegardencontinuum.com. And if you look on the right-hand corner, there's a little shop. It says shop. Just go to the shop. You will see the 
um, link to the book. You can buy one and I'll autograph it and send it off to you. Um, there's the Landscapers Freedom Formula course. It's three separate eBooks. Each one of the books has like worksheets in it. And it's, it's not high minded at all. It's just straight up good information. If you want a great freebie, um, I have an eBook called uh, the Landscape Business Owner's Survival Guide, and it's all about cash flow. It's really just taking your mind and looking at cash flow because the health and wellness of a business is all directly related to how fast money comes in and goes out. And you need there to be a faster in than out, right? So that you're always feeling like you can make payroll, you can pay your rent, you can do all of that stuff without stress. That's the first stress you want to get out of your life is the cash flow flip and so i gave that one away free because i just think it's so important absolutely for sure and i'm and i'm sure the uh the landscapers and the businesses appreciate that <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's 15 15 different tips you don't have to apply all of them but even if you took one or two it mm -hmm. it'll just like totally shift your cash flow well, thank you so much for having me on. This is, I love what you're doing. Um, I, I listen to your podcast regularly because I feel like there's just so much great insight in it. And it's, I love the format. It's really easy to listen to in the car uh, or in my truck. So just, uh, so thank you for what you're doing. It's awesome. Great. Well, thank you. And, uh, and I'm sure uh, we'll, uh, we can uh, connect again sometime and uh, we'll, we'll, I'll have you on again for another, for another discussion on other topics. Okay, cool. Thanks so much. That's all the time we have today. Thanks again to Monique for joining us today. Be sure and tune in for the next episode of the Grassroots Podcast at greenindustrypros.com.